The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. A change in levels to get it to the mat, and he was able to utterly dominate a huge matchup. Uh, what's next is either a big name or a big rank. Whoever it is, I'm here to tell you guys, I am one of the best in the world. Grant KGD Dawson! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Me with my glasses. I've just totally given up on pretending I don't need them every 10 seconds to look at something. Uh, we have Grant Dawson uh, joining us today. He is half of the main event on saturday against bobby green what a great fight that's going to be and uh ryan clark uh dc's uh uh podcast partner um he's a co-host of uh, dc and rc and pivot pod he'll be in with us as well today which is nice um you know he's obviously an ex uh, nfl player professional athlete but he really loves ufc and mma grant dawson's got a uh submission win over jared gordon he does yes He's good with the subs. Yeah. Speaking of subs, not to be a fat guy. You know what I don't usually eat, but I ate the other day. I had a um <laughs> I had more than one. I had a uh penises. No, no. <laughs> Just because you said you had more than one. <laughs> I had a meatball sub from Subway. Oh, uh, a fucking subway sucks. I hate Subway. I know, but the meatball, meatball subs rule. The meatball subs all good though, right? I don't know if I've ever had one. Um, I prefer a Wawa, but I like I a good sub. You like Wawa? I do, but I try not to eat it because again, I'm just I'm trying to lose weight, and uh, we've had company for the last few days, so there's been like I've been eating fudge stripe cookies. What a little oh. fatso I've been eating like. There used to be a thing when I was little called Fudge Town. <laughs> that's that's what you're into now. But now, back then, Fudge Town was a cookie. And I think was, I remember that. There was a sheriff on the uh, box, and uh, I don't know why there's a sheriff on the box. Well, but, he's mayor uh, of Fudge. He's a sheriff of Fudge Town. 
<laughs> Listen, you know what? We we saw it's a, it's a little rocky start today. Why don't we start talking? Why don't we dive into some MMA action? I disagree. I think that a little cookie talk is the way to get everybody warmed up. Wait. Oh, we got Grant's in the waiting room. So let's Grant. Let's bring him right in. He's half the main event. I believe it's his you first know, main event too. Did you know that 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 Grant is a um, huge Star Wars fan? Uh, yes, I did know that, um, which I figured would please you a great deal. Hi, Grant. How, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. Grant, nice, nice to see you, man. Listen, this is very exciting. I'm reading here. I better have the right notes. I'm reading here that you're a huge Star Wars fan. Is that true? That is 100% true. Oh, I know where this, I know where this, this interview is going. We'll talk are you a about Star Wars this. fan? Oh, my goodness. Are you watching the new Ahsoka series? Okay. Hear me out, Matt. Hear me out. I'm with you. Oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm waiting because Disney has destroyed the one thing that I love in this world as much as MMA, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, so I'm waiting for it to completely come out. And then I'm going to ask people that whose opinion on Star Wars I respect, and then I will make my decision if I watch it. So far, it sounds like I'm going to watch it. How have they ruined it? As a person who doesn't watch a lot of Star Wars stuff, was The Mandalorian not good, or what, what, what have they done that you didn't like? The Mandalorian was fantastic. The first two seasons of The Mandalorian were great, and I, a lot of people didn't like the book of Boba Fett. I loved the book of Boba Fett. thought it was loved, very well done. Loved it. It was loved, great. You loved it. Interesting. Go ahead. Uh, the third season of the Mandalorian was good, but they really should have just called it. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Bo-Katan because yeah. it was really about her. Like she saved the Mandalorian, I think a total of nine times. Um, she never made a single mistake in the whole season. And I get it. She's a badass, And I, I, I really enjoy her story, but I just, I, I, <sighs> I just didn't want to see a season about her. Give her her own show. Right. Hey, man, Jimmy, let me let me dive in here. What sure. did you think of Obi-Wan? I didn't like it. Me neither. I don't like that sassy Sith. Forget that B. I Wait. don't like her story. Just like you talked about Bo-Katan. They make it about this, this, this girl who grew up in the Jedi Temple, and she's like a like a black Sith or something or a black right. inquisitor, right? Inquisitor or one. Right, right. And she's all pissed off and she's all angry. She's doing everything but snap off fingers. And she's fucking, I don't care about her story. How about you tell her story another time? They made Obi-Wan. I hate to say it. They made him a pussy. They made yep. him they have a young Jedi. Oh, well, man, we got to do something. No, no, we got to just lay low. They hang that guy up in the town square before before Obi-Wan can find his nuts. It's brutal. You Let didn't me, like it. I, it I, Obi-Wan, I didn't even make it through. I heard uh, he put it, some later in it. I didn't even watch it. it, didn't it it's it's, it's yeah. really bad. And the, the thing about it, too, is, is like there's there's so many details that we could go into. But the biggest one is, is that it was the most anticipated Star Wars show ever. Like, everybody wanted Obi-Wan. And they made it about this girl that, like, we've never heard of. We had no clue who she was. Like, she's not in any of the other lore. She's not. There, 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 there aren't even, like, little hints of her anywhere else. We made it about her. And, of course, she's not really the bad guy. She's doing bad things for the right reason. Because, yeah. you know, she can't make a mistake. Like, women don't make mistakes. What? 
it's you don't like Disney. You don't like the tone of what Disney's doing. You think that they're trying to put like a spin on it and and make heroes for for the wrong reasons, like just just to say, hey, see, look what we did here, made her a hero, and they don't need they're, to do it. They're more they're more worried about pumping out consistent content than good content. The sure. thing about Star Wars is. Uh, the the story if you watch the first six films it's it's about the story like people who aren't into sci-fi enjoy star wars because it's not about the sci-fi it's about the people and when you when you do this type of thing and you you worry more about just getting out content constantly that goes way down everybody hates the the prequels um yeah. They, there's there's just so much stuff that and and they're they're pandering like they they want to check boxes and look I'm all for I'm all for getting more representation in there I'm I'm about that but you have to do it the right way or yes. it it makes things go backwards instead of forwards yeah don't 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 compromise the you can you can you can serve both of those needs just don't make something suck like my favorite Star Wars thing is the Christmas special that they did in the. Uh, in the seven that is my favorite star wars thing was the when they go to chewbacca's house and they had b arthur to me that was the purest form of george lucas I, uh, and then they they add words to the uh to the star wars theme song at the end uh, that was crazy now you like the book of boba fett i was a little mixed on it i thought they made Boba. i mean they wanted to give the actor who plays boba fett some screen time so they kept his helmet off and uh i thought boba fett was way cooler when he was guest starring in the Mandalorian, he was a freaking badass. And all of a sudden, they give him his own series. They have these young punks talking shit to him. He's like, ah, all right, I like your spunk, kid. Now they made him. I don't know what they did with him. All I know is Frank Trigg was a Gamorrean guard, and I like <laughs> I like the fact that I knocked him out, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I I really enjoyed it. it. It was different. So you had the Mandalorian, which was kind of like a Western style, right? He's a bounty hunter. That's a Western. And then you go into like, it, it was like gang wars for me. You know, you got like Al Pacino style of, of, of star Wars, which I, I really enjoyed. That's not to say that there were crappy things about uh, the book of Boba Fett. I, I 100% agree with that. Those kids that he like brought into his gang. That was weird. That was I super like the, weird. I like the Wookiee. There's an evil Wookiee in it. The Wookiee was was really, really good. Um, I think they could have done more with him. I think that would have been a lot better. And then the the biggest thing that, okay, this is the biggest problem with Star Wars right now is that death is not a real thing. Like we'll go back to the Obi-Wan series. That girl gets stabbed in the gut twice in that show, once as a child, once as an adult, and survives. Like Dang. And it, it, it's insane. And then you got these characters that, that died in, in the book of Boba Fett. And then at the end, turns out, oh, they're not dead. I feel like that's the biggest problem. It's not giving us consequence for the story anymore. Oh, the biggest yeah. piece of shit, besides Ryan Johnson's freaking The Last Jedi, I thought they did a good job with the new one, when uh, the new series, um, The Force Awakens. And then they totally, Ryan Johnson came in, shit over everything. And then the other guy came back to try to... Uh, to patch it up, and it was just a it was a disaster. Who was the first guy? Uh, J.R. Uh, Abrams. Who is it? Yeah, uh, J- yes. Uh, oh my God! Now none of us are going to remember Abrams. It begins not, not Jerry Abrams. Uh, Something Abrams. J.J. Abrams. J.J. Yeah, he did. I thought I liked the Force Awakens. I thought it was good, but then they they totally crapped on it with Ryan Johnson's freaking thing, and then and then it was just hard, too hard to put. Then all of a sudden the Emperor's back. And what, what are you talking? The problem, the problem is, is that it feels like they made each movie 
not knowing what the next movie was going to be. Because like you said, it's like, who is this Snoke guy? Like I was so, we had so many theories about who Snoke was. We had so many theories about where this was going. And then we were all wrong because they were like, no, we're going to bring back the emperor, which makes no sense. And then making Ray the chosen one, get the F out of here, man. Like I don't. That is weird, man. I I don't know. I'm not digging it, man. But all I know is, if you've seen some of the animated shows, I don't know how much you're into this. There's a show called Rebels. Now, Ahsoka is pretty much a continuation of that. Right. I'm not going to give too much away. But this is what I will say one thing. And this sums up Disney right now. It's hard to make, like, they don't want them on pair. They don't want them uh, equal as far as with the men and, and the women, as far as being badasses. They want the women a little bit more to be badasses. I'm a, a father of three daughters. It's not like I'm totally against that, but come on, man. I mean, even they, you know, long story short, I know, you know, they find Ezra Bridges at Bridger. They, you know that. I, I, you got to kind of know that. They find them. You know the one. Right. In, yep. So they find them in Osoka. All I know is there's two fucking futuristic fucking horses. Who's riding bitch is fucking the dude. The two girls are riding and he's around one of their waists like, all right. The the bad guys really i don't know you don't like the, the, the purposeful the gender reversals that are being done on purpose or as annoying right it's kind of silly it, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, not it's not so much that the gender reversals it's that when when they flip it they think making a strong female character means she can have no flaws which is not right. true the thing right. that makes people all the male characters have to go through something some type of flaw i have to get over this i have to get over this women are just perfect apparently you have daughters you know women aren't perfect that's what i didn't like about bo katan was she could never make a single mistake in the whole series like it humanizes her to make a mistake it humanizes her to make a mistake and come back you figure that they're breaking these characters like a writer is creating what they want uh, the the girls to rally around and and instead of making them a believable character that also sucks and fucks up and then all of a sudden overcomes and becomes something good who doesn't mess up who who does women aren't perfect men aren't perfect but for some reason in in disney they have to put women as these these perfect beings and i'm for like like yeah. show me the women's side of the I, i'm for it but they can't be perfect just like right. just like in uh, the obi-wan series when when she uh uh she's the bad guy so finally we have a black female character who's strong and she's evil okay this is cool then it turns out she's not actually evil she's a good guy because women can't be evil that's not how it works it's like dude shut up man like they're they're flawed just like we are show us how they're flawed and show us how they get over it yeah, they should show a Jedi going through a divorce and losing half his shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen, they should just make them badasses. There's nothing wrong with making the, sh- the the women badasses, but don't like make the men really weak, dude. I mean, come on, man. You got young kids like just looking up to these guys, being like, "All right, I guess I'll just let her take the lead." They got to They should make them equally badasses, but do it. Give them some morals. How about that? That's fine. It. The problem is, is, is you can't it shows that we can't both be strong. Like if a woman's strong, then a man has to be weak. How about we're just both strong and we complement each other in different ways. There's things that my wife can do. Who's 105 pounds that I could never do. Like they, she has her strengths and I have my strengths and we complement each other, which is how it's supposed to be. 
Yeah, agreed. And uh, uh, we, we're gonna, I know we're going to move on from this. That's right. I, but let me just ask you, your favorite, favorite Star Wars movie, not series, I'd go with Mandalorian. Even though, wait, really quick, you like Andor? I like Andor a lot. Uh, yeah, Andor was good. It was good. I wasn't, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Rogue One fan. I, I know everybody, lo- hear, me out. hear me out. Man. Why not? Everybody loves Rogue One. Other than the scene at the end where Darth Vader and the battle scene at the end, super cool. Loved it. Other than that, that movie was so boring. Like, so. It, dude, I have no, I, I didn't care about these characters at all. The main character, and you're never going to be able to unsee it, she looks like Bugs Bunny because her two front teeth are so big. Like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I, I have no emotional oh. attachment. They, they kissed at the end. They hated each other the whole movie. The only reason they kissed at the end was because they were both about to die. Like, maybe, I just. Maybe he wanted to hate kiss her. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And yeah, Darth yeah. Vader came yeah, with a big a little Darth Vader came right. with a big carrot and fed it to her. Big rabbit tooth lady. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I love the scene at the end with Darth Vader. Uh, unbelievable, cool. yeah. But but other than that, the movie was just meh. I'm gonna be honest with you, I like Solo better. I thought Solo was a way better movie than than Rogue One. Solo gets shit on. Solo had some cool characters. I liked the Woody Harrison character. I liked his whole team. They got t- I liked the heist part of it. There's a lot of stuff I did like about Solo. The Gang Lord. The only problem is, I didn't like that. I don't think. I it, maybe if it was if it was anybody but Han Solo because it didn't really feel like Han Solo. It felt I, like they trying to play Han Solo. I don't know. I, I felt like they did the best that they could do. Like if if you don't like what he's saying, who would you have casted? And I think that it's like I can't think of anybody. You know, I think he did the best he could have done. Yeah, he did good, but I, I I enjoyed it. I liked the little Darth Maul thing at the end, which yep. uh, which they could have uh, built off of. They could have built off that and made like six movies off of that. But no, let's let's make sure Ray is. Yeah. Which she's getting she's getting three more movies. She's now, getting three more movies, Matt. Like well, what? What's the what's, his, what's the friend? What's the uh, Finn? Poor Finn got friend zoned. And then he had that little chubby Asian girl that didn't like. They didn't was Finn the son? Was he Han Solo's son? No. What's the matter with you? I don't remember. What? I hated Han Solo. He's son. a stormtrooper. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Hey, we uh, we we know we only have you for a short period of time because they're telling you we have we have you for some reason a brief. I want before you obviously we don't want to just wrap up with you. I want to congratulate you. This is your first main event coming up. Yeah, first uh, first main event against a really big name, man. It's everything's working out great for me right now. What is the difference for you now? Because Bobby Green has done everything. Like, he's main evented. You know Bobby Green is a complete veteran. But you've had enough fights yourself. But he's a guy who's kind of run the gamut of things you can do in MMA. So, Bobby Green, um, what's the difference for you, uh, Grant, main eventing and and the press and all that stuff that you have to do around it? Uh, The only real difference is I get 10 more minutes to to dominate. Um, I'm a big (laughs) believer when... When I have three rounds, I train three rounds. When I have five rounds, I train five rounds so that I'm used to that, that pace. I don't do extra rounds if I'm not scheduled for extra rounds because I think that the first three, you kind of like chill out a bit because you know you have uh, two more coming. And if you don't actually have two more coming, you need to give 100% in those first three. Uh, as for the press and the media, I kind of like it just because it's keeping me distracted, keeping me from thinking about food and keeping me from thinking about when my next meal is. So it's definitely making the time fly a little bit faster. Um, and as for, for Bobby Green, I think a win over Bobby Green, 
I know he's not ranked, but I honestly think that a win over Bobby Green does more for my career than beating some of these ranked guys. Have you dealt with anybody like Bob? And I wonder, some some guys are completely unaffected by guys that talk in the cage and taunt a little bit. And some guys, you can just tell it, it, it angers them. Uh, have you had anybody do that to you? And how does that affect you mentally when someone does it? You know, I, I've had somebody kind of talk a little trash to me in the cage before, and I've got to tell you, I would much rather him throw words at me than punches. So yeah. uh, I, I really don't think <laughs> I've, I've never seen anybody get knocked out through a word. So he can throw all the words he wants at me. I'm going to keep my eyes on his, his, his fist, his shoulders and his kicks. That's what I'm worried about. What do you think the advantage to that is? And Matt, I can ask you too, guys that do that, does it at times give a psychological ed, like, like just... I've seen guys do stuff like drop their hands and their opponent doesn't come in and punch them. It's like almost like a schoolyard thing. It sends you back like they're afraid of, oh, he's setting me up or if I punch him, I'm going to look bad and miss. Do you really think there's any kind of a psychological advantage to that at times or, or do you not believe that at all? Well, I think it depends on the person. Um, I, I don't believe in a lot of things that are real for other people. Maybe it just doesn't affect me, like like uh, the pressure of, of being the main event. I think that that would crumble a lot of people going into this. Oh, I'm the main event. Dude, what's the difference? It's the exact same thing. You just get to fight for 10 more minutes. Like yeah. nothing changes. Oh, more people are watching you. Like get the fuck out of here. Like just go in and do your thing. I think that if you're fighting somebody that's a little bit mentally weaker, talking can kind of get that going. Otherwise, I think he does it more so for himself. I think that's how he oh. gets himself to loosen up and kind of realize I've done that before too, where it's like, I've been in a fight, I've been super tense. So I made a joke in the middle of the fight to get myself to, to loosen up a bit, you know? And, and I've said things to Demir in our last fight, to, not for him, but for me to like, get me to like, okay, like we're almost done here. Like, I'm going to make this little joke and then, and then we're going to move on. Like, kind of like Kevin Holland does. Like, you could say, and, and we, I know we have to let you go, but Kevin Holland isn't even fucking with another person. Sometimes you could tell he's having a good time, but I always think, too, that's, that relaxes him to treat it almost like it's an intense sparring session just to kind of give his own uh, mind what he needs for that fight. Yeah, I think everybody's different. I don't think we'll ever see Piotr Jan out there with his hands down and, and, and talking smack. I no. think he's just. I am in the pocket 24 seven. I must destroy, destroy, destroy. <laughs> and then you got guys like Bobby who are like, dude, like I got to be Joe cool. I got to move around. I got to like loosey goosey, go with the flow type of thing. And, and I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I'm, I am very dedicated to destroy, 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 but I know when I can like let loose a little bit. Well, Grant, good luck. Um, we appreciate you coming on. Again, we're sorry we have you and our next guest squeezed together. It was just the way it was booked, and we know you're limited. But, uh, I mean, you're a great fighter, 21-1, and one, and uh, obviously Bobby Green is Bobby Green. So this is going to be an exciting fight. And good luck in this main event, man. It, it's, a, it's a huge fight, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be exciting. I appreciate it, man. And anytime you guys want to talk Star Wars, you, oh. you call your boy, okay? Because I got 100%. It. All right, I have a lot of questions the next time you're on. I have a lot of criticisms and questions about Star Wars. Next time you're on, we'll really get into it. Just right. message me. I will come on your guys' show anytime. <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Take care, man. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, appreciate right. you guys. All right, buddy.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. And we also have now, we have our next guest, right? Who's uh, uh, Ryan Clark, um, uh, who is DC's uh, podcast part. I think he does two podcasts too. Um, I can just ask him. Why don't we ask him? When he comes in. And you know, being that he's, you know, a former, you know, NFL veteran. Oh, there we go. There he is. What up, fellas? Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, how are you? Chilling, man. Good, brother. Good. So let me so ask thing you. moves a little bit. So it's like an iPad. So it's oh, kind cool. of so I'm sorry. Okay. We got you. We got you. Okay, let cool. Me ask, right. Let me ask you, Ryan, how long have you been watching uh the UFC and mixed martial arts? Because I know you do oh, your podcast with DC. Yeah. You're knowledgeable. So, yeah. Yeah. So honestly, it started like mid-2000s when UFC started to put out the greatest knockout DVD that you could buy at Best Buy. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, like, yeah. You did, man. I think I was on that. Uh, yeah, uh, hell yeah! I might have like, been on. I might have been. It might have been both good and bad for me. I don't know. <laughs> it been. Yeah, so I started. So I started then, man, and then I started training in kempo, uh, jujitsu while I was playing because I just I thought it'd be good good for the off season. Um, and two, like I love training because I work like uh, double leg takedowns, single legs, help me with tackling. Yeah. And so and so after that, man, you just kind of start to get into it. I was a huge Chuck Liddell fan. Um, so like my, my time of really getting into it was when Chuck was light heavyweight champion and then kind of watching him phase out. So it was Rampage, then Rashad That's Evans, right. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, knocked him out, and so like all those things broke my heart. Like, Chuck yeah, was the my Rich guy. Franklin fight, that le- that Rich yeah. Franklin fight where I think Chuck had broken his arm with a kick, yeah. didn't he? And then and Franklin yeah. dropped him with a few seconds left, I think, in that round. Yeah, and you know, so like watching Chuck go, and then you know, obviously the rise of the rise of John, uh, you know, Matt, you know, beat um, beat George, but you know, GSP just from a like from a a stylistic standpoint was so cool to me because I didn't feel like he was the best at any one thing, but I thought he was very good at a lot of things. And so we watched him beat so many different people in different ways. Like you think back to Carlos Condit, Carlos Condit was kind of dotting GSP up, but he couldn't out wrestle him, you know? And so like, I just, I just kind of fell in love with like the strategy of it. And you know how it is, bro. I'm a football player. So I think I'm a tough human. I know I'm not willing to do what y'all did, you know? And so to, to see people that have that sort of courage, that sort of skill, it just fascinated me, man. And I started to love it. And now my son, who plays football at Arizona State, he's actually uh, training Muay Thai where uh, they think one of the guys would help uh, Sugar Sean with his, with his Muay Thai. And so he's going to – he wants to fight when he finishes playing football. So we'll see. Now, if you do you think now, being that you're such a fan of it and you were already obviously uh, in the NFL, if you found this when you were a little bit younger, you think there's a chance you might have gave it a shot? You know, I, I don't know. Um, like for me, I'm from Louisiana and football's king. Ah, right. And so I uh, like I, I do feel had for me to have gotten into it. I couldn't have been as good as I was in football. Oh, right? Like, yeah. so, so, say like, so say like I play football and I'm kind of just okay, then I think that's something you get into. Um, it's an interesting conversation, but it's sort of seeing like that sort of athleticism that actually trained in mixed martial arts. You wrestled, you learned striking from a young age. I think we're going to start to see more people do that because it now is becoming something that you could reach superstar of it. Oh. And, and you played for how many uh, seasons did you play? 13. And you played most of it in Pittsburgh? Eight in Pittsburgh, yep. Eight I, don't, Pittsburgh. I don't think there's a more miserable weather place on earth than Pittsburgh. Would you, would you play in Pittsburgh and then go to Miami and go, what am I doing? Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> hey, crazy enough, uh, my last contract, well, my second to last contract at the year eight, Miami offered me more than Pittsburgh did. And I decided to go back. Um, to Pittsburgh. To Pittsburgh. Yeah, I went back to Pittsburgh. Uh, for me, like I was so much just about football. And I was also, I'm an undrafted free agent. I'm sure Matt can, can relate to this with the way that he came up in fighting. Like I was making more money than I ever dreamed of making in my life. Yeah. Right. And so I wasn't, the, the difference in the money to me didn't outweigh the happiness, didn't outweigh the comfort, didn't outweigh competing for championships. And I was like, well, dang, how rich do I need to be? And so I made the decision to go back to Pittsburgh, but probably every January, I look at myself and look at my wife and be like, how dang stupid are we? Yeah. You know, you, you see people in short sleeves in Miami and dudes are trying to run miles in Pittsburgh and dang parkas and Eskimo suits. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a different type of bitter because you have the the like the water there. It's a bitter 
awful yeah. place for the for the winter. But you, you're, people in Pittsburgh are being very tough too. There's no there's no no one's soft in Pittsburgh playing football. Nah, 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 nah. Nobody's soft there. The fans ain't soft either, though. You know, like like it's a place. It, it, it's it's grimy, man. And like what I loved about it though was we didn't have all the other stuff that could surround football. Like dudes in our parking lot wasn't worried about who had the nicest car. You right. know, the wives didn't have to come to the game in high heels and dresses for yep. a fashion show. You know, they showed up in Uggs and your jersey. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and, and a North Face jacket. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I love that about it because in the end, it was about how well do you play football? And if you win and if you, if you ball there, it was a city, bro. Like you could go anywhere. Like we weren't used to that. I came from Washington, right? Where there's like all this other stuff. And I remember trying to get reservations for the first time in Pittsburgh and the place was packed. And I was like, man, you know, we can't get reservations. And one of my teammates told her, told me, they're like, tell your wife to say that it's, she just mentioned, well, it's my husband's one day off. They don't have practice on Tuesday. We were just trying to come eat. And so she says it and they go, well, who's your husband? She says my name. They know I play for the Steelers. Immediately a spot opens up. It was like the first time in life. I was like, oh, my God, like you could call and tell them. You. And so it, it, it was cool to be in a place that loved their team so much. Yeah, a place yeah. that appreciated that. Yeah. That, that's like, yeah. They, like, this is what it's like to be in the mafia. Like, this is how great it is. You just call and you get a reservation whenever you need it. It's awesome. <laughs> I felt like Tony Soprano showing up at Bada Bing, man. You know what I mean? I had my spot ready. <laughs> now, I want to know, how did the, um, how did the, D, you know, you do the uh, the podcast with the great Daniel Cormier, Cormier yeah. uh, the DC and RC podcast. How did that come about? How'd that get, how'd you get approached with that? Man, I was actually on a training facility here in Louisiana. My boss that runs the NFL at ESPN calls me and goes, hey, uh, UFC, the, the MMA, mixed martial arts, you know, or part, part of ESPN wants to know if you want to do a podcast with Daniel Cormier. Just like that. That's how they asked me. And they were like, uh, I was like, well, how much does it pay? It doesn't pay much. I'm not going to say how much it pays. It doesn't pay much. <laughs> Just know that. Um, and they probably didn't think I'd be very good at it anyway. And I was like, but for, of course, I'm from Louisiana. DC is from Louisiana. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I loved MMA. And I think it came about, though, because at this time, I would buy every pay-per-view and live tweet through the whole thing. Oh. And so it started to become a thing that, like, every pay-per-view event or fight night, they put my tweet up on the broadcast. And I think they just got used to seeing me and just kind of asked Daniel they gave Daniel like a list of names of people he'd want to do it with. And he picked me and that was how it started. And when, what I realized though, when it started, I was like, I don't know anything about fighting. Because like, that was the, like, that was like the first thing I realized. And that was honestly like the most freeing moment for me because it meant that I needed to learn more about fighting, but it also meant I got to speak from a fan's perspective. You know, That's like I'm never, yes. You know, I'm never going to get, I'm never, I'm never on that show. And I go, oh, well, you know, Alexa Grasso, you know, you could tell like from, you know, from all of Valentina Shevchenko's spinning, spinning attacks, she knew she could take the back. I don't know how she knew that. But what I do know is that they showed a video of her practicing it. Yeah. Right? And now she, and now she executes it. And I do know how amazing to me as a fan that is. And I know for playing football, if I prepped all week, for a certain thing, for a certain play, for a certain formation, I only get one chance to execute when I see it. 
And so I could kind of bring it from that perspective. But that was how the show came about, man. And it's just been fun to do it. Fun, very right? similar. Very similar. Sorry to me and Matt. Like, I got a call from Dana. and But Matt, like, you know, I'll never, because I don't fight, I, I'll never be able to analyze a fight like Matt can. Like, you know, just to watch yeah. Matt talk jujitsu or the yeah. anticipation of what someone's going to do. When you hear fighters talking about it, it's just I can only speculate. And, and I'm always coming from a fan point of view who just knows something about it because I'm around it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool, man. I was watching, uh, Matt will appreciate this. Probably two days ago, I watched Marab uh, Piotr Jan. Oh, yes. You know, I, I watched it. Um, That's great. The, the night it came on, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. I only watched bits and pieces of it. And there was a, a time, you guys are in the corner. Uh, it's in between rounds. And you're talking to him. And you look at Aljo and you say, Aljo, do you have anything for him? Or Aljo, what you're seeing, and to me, it was, it was like so cool because it was such a sense of team. Like I've only ever played team sports, yeah. you know. Uh, and and when I look at mixed martial arts, I'm like, bro, what the frick? Like they closed this cage, and you look at it, another killer, you yeah. know. But to but to but to see Aljo support his friend, oh. support his teammate, but you also give him an opportunity to weigh in because he's a world champion. You know what I mean? Like of if course. you're seeing something. Tell me what you see. I just thought that was so cool and things that like the fans don't necessarily get to always see or get to always view or be a part of. That that fight, let me tell you something. I worked many championship, you know, corners. That fight felt like a championship fight. There was so much on that that was personal in a sense with the history of, uh, you know, uh, where Marab is from, Georgia and Russia yeah. and Wow. It was so it was so deep Rob. when it first when it first got announced, he was like, Matt, he was telling me he's like, it's just it's so much like I can't lose to him because of what happened. Mm. It was very deep. It was really wild. Right. But I'll tell you, I swear to God, my I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about that corner because that was so I mean, because if Marab to know Marab is to love Marab. You, you really the guy is such a sweetheart of a guy. And that felt like his Super Bowl, his world championship right. felt like, and the way he beat him was just so. I mean, it was like a slow death, and he and he was just grinding off. Oh. And in between yeah. rounds, we between each round, we were just <laughs> oh, getting amped up. I'll tell you, what a what a night! Wasn't that yeah, 50 was, 45? Am I crazy to remember I, that? I thought Marab dominated every round, yeah, right? He did, yeah, he did. That's the night it was what 48 49 takedown attempts. And what was what was so cool to watch it? for me is all the respect I do have for Piotr Jan as a fighter, you know, like the dude's a, a killer and yeah. he was on top of the world not too long ago. And then, you know, the disqualification to Aljo, the Aljo beat him, uh, really, you know, a debatable loss to Sugar Sean O'Malley. And then now you're fighting Marab and you're trying to get back in there. And then it's just this dude that's relentless. You know what I mean? Like he just kept going, kept going, kept going, like wouldn't stop. And you think about that fight for Marab and the fight with Jose. Like, Jose is a legend to me. Like I said, that's when I was really just getting yeah. into, like, that decade run. And then to see Marab's pressure overwhelm someone like Jose as well, I think, like, that's what, I, what I'm fascinated with, with, with you guys, with fighters and with, with those athletes. It's the mental fortitude. Like, bro, I'm going to be honest. Like, if I hit my shin in the house on the bed, I'm distraught for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I yeah. couldn't imagine a dude 
consistently for five rounds, three rounds, late kicking me. Because whether you check them or not, they hurt like hell. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. you just keep going. But it makes me think back to, you know, games where you're cleated, games where yeah. your shoulder comes out of place. And you just do it because that's what you know to do. And I just that's appreciate it. that about it. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, uh, going in, going, walking to the cage is uh, walking to the to your fight is it's one of those feelings where you know something's gonna happen. It's gonna be either the best night of your life, could be the worst <laughs> night of your life. You know you're gonna get touched. So you're just, you know, it's wild. You know. It's yeah, yeah. Do you still train? No, I don't. You know, I wish I, I wish I could. I don't have time. I got yeah. like 18 jobs, man. You know, I do. Uh, I do, I do a lot now, but that's something I, I want to get back into because as an athlete, you sort of only know one way, you know? And so, like, every time I go to a gym, I get in the gym and I train like I'm playing football. And at 44 years old, I'll be 44 in 10 days, like, I can't do that anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, I need, and I need something, too. Like, I want to have some fun, you know? Like, pushing weights around, that junk ain't fun to me. You know, like running is not fun to me anymore. And so I'm, I'm going to try to get back into it. I think the, the hardest part is not that I know anything, but when you do know a little something, you know, it's, it's finding the right person to train you, to, to train with that, yeah. you know, that understands, hey, bro, I'm not trying to go out and fight John Jones next week. But, yeah. I'm, you know, but I'm also not the, the guy that works at Apple who doesn't want to be pushed, who doesn't want to challenge himself. So finding that happy medium is important. A hundred percent, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things where like I, I, I train and again, I'm, I should even say train. I, I just take it. Cause I, I don't want to get my ass kicked in a fucking, you know, in a mall. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all it is. You know what I mean? It, it's literally just so I can fend somebody off yep. for long enough for a, a real alpha to come over and help me um, just to not embarrass myself. Um, and most people, I think, in, in, in daily life don't know how to get out of a guillotine or they, they don't know how to yeah, maneuver to somebody's back. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm not, um, I'm not freaking Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, oh. if, if, if Brian Ortega mounts, mounts me, I'm just tapping. You know what I mean? If I get into it, yeah. I'm done. So I know what you're saying, bro. Do you know that round? That's funny you said. I think that was the third round of that fight. And that Volkanovski, because I, I had thought that uh, Holloway had beaten him at least one of those times. Mm -hmm. And he had that kind of thing where people were not sold on him. And I think that third round is what put him into everybody's eyes. Like, yeah, this guy is a murderer. Yeah. Like, he's a really legit champion. I, I think that third round is what changed everybody's opinion on him. You know what, too, though? And, like, the, the UFC has now found ways to create stars in a sport that is hard to create stars in because your fate can change so quickly. Oh yeah. You know, like who, and I could be wrong, you know, y'all know it better than me. Like who thought that Sean Strickland would dominate Izzy on the feet? Man, you that know, like that. I mean, a decision. Yeah, like a decision, bro. You know, yeah. like you outpoint Israel Adesanya, come on, I like nobody's expecting that. And so it's hard to have stars, but Max Holloway, kind of captured the heart of the people because of the way he fought. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the style, the willingness to stand and strike and absorb strikes in the way that he does as he's, cause he, his, his standup is beautiful. The, the, yeah. the head movement, the, the skill, but it's still, you know, he takes a lot of punishment. And so like, I think we love that about him. The second fight, a lot of people felt like Max could have won 
or, or, or should have won. And yeah. so I think it was the love for Max that kept Alexander Volkanovsky from, Volkanovsky from getting that love. But the Brian Ortega third round, the trilogy fight with Max, which was dominant. He totally, you yeah. Know, and, and I don't know who has ever gained more from a loss than Volk fighting Islam Mahatev. Yep. You know, and, and so oh, I think now true. we look at him as one of those dudes. You know? Yeah, the fact that he went up in weight and wound up losing a decision, and and again, if I remember, it was a three round to two, very two, close yeah. fight. Yeah, so it was one of those things. It was amazing because Makachev has just been fucking murdering people, and then to <laughs> right. see a guy go up in weight against a, a dangerous guy on the ground like that, it, it's like yeah. wow, man, he really is. Uh, I, I was wrong about him in the very beginning, and he's just yeah. one of the best champions in the history of the UFC. It really is, man. Is there a guy you love to watch more than anybody? Like I, I. Tr- I, every time I think it's Gaethje, then I'll watch someone else. But is, is there somebody who you kind of gravitate to more? Um, ooh, Gaethje. Gosh, that's a good one. Yeah. That, that, that's a good one. I think I'm, like, I'm such a fan of, of, of a ton of people. Um, but I, and I hate to go back to Max, but it is Max for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of the Calvin Cater fight. Ah, right? I was there I was live for that in Abu Dhabi. Right. Yeah, so, you know, like, Calvin Cater, like, Calvin Cater talked about Max, his striking, right? He talks about Max, his striking, and Max is talking to DC on the side, saying, I'm the best, best boxer in the as, UFC. As he's looking, as he looks at them and slips a punch and jams them in the face. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? i never That's, seen anything like that. <laughs> I'm the best boxer, boom. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so, Matt, like, when you watch stuff like that, it's, it's impossible to not love a guy. And I'll say this about Max, too. You know, you look at the Korean zombie fight, yeah. right? Max is, Max is the number one contender who we all know that Alexander Volkanovsky is 1A, Max is 1B. Like, we all feel that way. You, you take a fight because you feel like it could be exciting because it's one that you've always wanted to take. You go to someone else's homeland to, to do it. You're fighting a dangerous man who's – but he's eight. Like if Max loses that fight, right. it, it 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 may crush his 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 comeback to get another title title shot. But if he wins it, it does zero for it. It's just like it's a good fight. I love fighting. This is a dude that loves fighting. I'm gonna take this fight. And yeah. so I think that's why I, I gravitate to Max in um in that way. And Brandon Moreno too is is a guy, man. I I, I love I love to watch. And it's cool that like the smaller dudes are, yeah. are so exciting. But man, you think about Brandon's three fights. What well, is four fights, right? With Davison, Figueredo. Come on, yeah. man. Like, like all of those were exciting, toe to toe fights. The fight with uh, Alejandre uh, Pantoja, an excellent fight. Breaks his hand or his arm or something. And fight, you know, like I like those guys, man. What you guys do, man, and what you did for a living, bro. Like it, it is truly a gladiator sport. And to see people, bro, that that consistently show up for us. Right, because y'all do that junk. Obviously, it's for you, you individually for accomplishment. It's for your families, but it is also entertainment. That's why we yeah. pay for it, you know. And yeah. to step in there, man, and entertain the way that you guys do, bro, and put your put your lives on the line like that, man. I think it's just and your bodies. I think it's just an amazing thing. Uh, the the hardest part for me is I hate like getting to know guys or getting to know their story because I hurt so bad when they lose. Yeah. You, you know, man, like it's rough, man. And it's one of those things where, you know, somebody's got it. There's two guys walking in. Somebody's going to have a great night. Someone's going to have their heart broken. 
<laughs> or something yeah. else. Broke down. And it's hard yeah. to pick fights because you start to like all the guys you interview. Like, we'll have guys yeah. from the main event on. We'll have both fighters. And I'm like, ugh, I fucking like both of these guys. Like, it it kind of <laughs> it takes a little of the fun of rooting away because it's very hard to root against a guy I've interviewed who I really like. So I yeah. can enjoy the fight. But it, it just that's the only disadvantage to this job is when you know a guy, you can't root against him because you don't want to see him get hurt. Yeah, you know what the worst – one of my worst experiences, and it wasn't MMA. It was boxing. Uh, before Crawford Spence, we had both of them on my podcast, The Pivot, and loved them both. But it was the second time we'd interviewed Errol, second time we sat with him. And so this time he was more open. He brought his, his son with him. And so you got to know him, you know, and and it wasn't that you were rooting for either guy, but you knew them both. But to see him get beat in the way he did was hard for me. You know, have, I'm not familiar what happened on that fight. I don't watch boxing anymore. Oh, so, okay, yeah. So, okay, so Errol Spence was undefeated. Uh, so was Bud Crawford. Errol Spence had three belts. Bud won. It was the unification fight. Errol Spence had never been knocked down, ever. Gets knocked down five times. Oh. He's TKO'd in, a one, it was either seven or nine. Uh, whatever, whatever fight, whatever round it was, it was ninth round. Okay, thanks, Jake. <laughs> it was ninth round. And in the seventh, he was knocked down twice. It was just bloody. It was bad. And it looked like two fighters didn't belong in there together. And like you said, though, we'd interviewed them both. Yeah. And, and I didn't have a rooting interest, but I didn't want anyone to get beat like that. Yeah, you know embarrassed. What I'm yeah. And, and, and embarrassed. And, you know, and you, know, you, you, know you, you feel like you know what these guys put into it the way they train, how much it means to professional athletes to achieve in a certain way. And to see that was difficult. And so we had Izzy on before the first uh, Alex Pereira fight, right? So we had him on, and my two partners are Channing Crowder and Fred Taylor. They weren't big uh, MMA fans before this or UFC fans. Uh, By this time, we had had Daniel on the show. We had Sean on the show. Izzy was the third guy. Do a great interview. They fall in love with him. Fred actually goes to the fight. We're watching it, and I'm like, I'm all excited, right? Four, four, four rounds are down. Is he yeah. up? I'm like, just, just stay awake, bro. Like, yeah. just stay alive. And then, you know, he loses in a TKO in that way, and you're like, frick. Yeah. You know, like, and so up- we've had that. We've had that happen a couple of times, man. It's hard. The only thing about when you when you see a guy lose like that, sometimes the judging, especially in boxing, sometimes the judging is so head shakingly bad that I would rather see a guy lose to a TKO or something because at least the win is definitive. At least you, know, you don't have that God Almighty like because some the judges the the decisions are so egregiously bad, like that ten eight that they screwed Shevchenko I'm, out I'm of. I'm about to say UFC's been pretty bad, bro. Yes, it has. Yes, that uh, that that judging that they, they screwed Valentina with that ten eight round in, in favor of uh, uh, Alexa Grasso. Uh, Grasso was Grasso. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like Jesus Christ. Like, I, I don't know how you how does that guy not get punished for that? How is there not a panel right. of people judges that watch and, and go, look, you're just you're too lousy to judge. Um, so yeah, I always prefer to see a finish for that reason, just because it's definitive and there's no, you know, but like for. Like Matt, in, in 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 your experience, though, how does bad judging affect the fighter? You know, in a situation, you know, like we could go like go back to Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, you know, yeah. which was a a highly disputed 
decision. And people have all of their thoughts about why it was, you know, called that way or, or scored that way. But think about Piotr Jan's dissension or his trajectory. That fight's big to him, you know, because you lose to Aljo. You, you take that fight and then you fight Marab. Now you're on this losing streak and, and nobody even knows where you are. Nobody knows where to rank you. How, if there's even a, a route to regaining your title, how does that affect the fighter, Matt? It's hard to say. Um, it's like, I'd say it's a case-by-case thing. In that case with Peter Jan, I might be one of the rare guys that thought that I remember was going to the cards. I thought Amali was going to get it, even though even though most people did agree, they thought that Peter Yan should have gotten it. Yeah. My point is, I had fights personally. I fought BJ Penn twenty years ago, something literally, and the online viewing had it for me. And okay, and it was close, but he got the decision. How about this? Now that I look at it. It was close. I couldn't, I could see there and be like, oh, it should have been me, but I don't know. It's, we, we both made it through. It came down to the last round. I didn't, he had a good poker face. He was a little more tired than I thought he was. I didn't think he was that tired. So I should have done more. I'm the guy to blame myself more. I'm I'm like, you're right. I should have got it because, you know, because I don't know. I'm more self-critical, I'd say, but other guys, you know, but I've had a couple of fights like that. So yeah, the individual could either be like, I'm getting screwed. Like, like Peter Yan was saying, oh, the judges don't like me. And it's, it's like, hey, dude, calm down, guy. I don't know. That was pretty close. So Mag- I, Mag- I, yeah. I did the same thing. I think Magomed Ankalaev after the Blahovich fight, uh, I uh, d- didn't he was yeah he was like uh, going ah the judge of the UFC judges I'm not fighting for UFC. Some guys get very very pissed off. Yeah, like and then, like that's my thing. Like, in those close fights, like, think about Matt's fight with BJ Penn, right? You're fighting the guy they call the prodigy. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, I think storylines start to play with the heads of fighters. Because if you're, to me, if you're Jan and you're fighting O'Malley, the first thing you think is, this is the golden boy, right? Like, this is the, the, the golden goose. They want him to get the title shot. And even if that's not the truth, you know what I mean? Like those yeah. stories start to play with your head and you're like, yeah. yeah, they don't like me. They like him more. And I think that that's the, like, that's always the difficult thing for me because you look at Alexa Grasso, Valentina Shevchenko, the, the first thought that would come to my mind is like, well, maybe UFC wants some new blood, you know, when really like the judges are the judges. They're actually like even separate from yep. the organization anyway. Uh. The organization isn't picking those. And so I think it's the, it, it, it's tough for the sport too, right? If you're the fan and we're sitting on the outside looking in and like you said, egregious, like a 10-8 round in that fight. Terrible. You know, and, 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 and that round being the only round that makes it a draw as well. You see, like that, that round actually took something from a fighter. Oh, like 100%. that's hard for the, for the fan, you know, to, to deal with because who knows if Valentina gets the, another shot or the next shot. She was on her feet for uh, three and a half minutes. I think that fight went to the ground, and they were exchanging punches. And and I, it's 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 I don't comprehend how someone could call it a ten eight and not be fired or not or the athletic commission not take action against it. It was that bad. It was it, it was not yeah. close to a ten eight round. It was it's one of the worst things I've ever seen judging wise. And I've seen a few bad ones. Yeah. Jared Gordon got I screwed. I think it's Patty Pimblett. That was not a good decision. Yep, Patty Pimblett. Yep. So, but see, though, know. like that, that's the 
But isn't that the problem too, though, when it it happens in fights like those? Yeah. Where where one guy or one woman is clearly more popular. Yeah. yeah. Because even if the UFC doesn't see them that way, we do. The fans, right? And if you're Jared Gordon, you know that too. Like, you know it's better for the UFC if Patty Piblet doesn't take this loss. And even if that doesn't affect the judging at all, it's hard for that to not, to not play with your mind. The, the only saving grace in UFC is we've seen guys lose and become champions. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, people don't, people don't walk around undefeated in the octagon. You know, like, that's it. Like, that doesn't happen. You know, you look at John Jones, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. Like, those guys are anomalies to fight that long, to fight at high levels against great competition and never have that one day that you're off just enough or the other guy is as good or is good enough to beat you, man. And so, like, that's why, but, you know, and I'm a football guy. So you guys don't put this clip anywhere. That's why it's the best sport in the world. It's just really, it just really is, man. Um, like, think about this, you know, and I can ask you guys this. It's like, I won't tune into every football game. I just won't. But I'll watch every fight card. Because <sighs> even, if, even if I don't know a dude or know two dudes or know two women, it doesn't mean it can't be a great fight. Right. Just because they aren't ranked top five or top 10 or don't have the name recognition, it doesn't mean we can't see high skill. We yeah. won't see amazing toughness. We won't see a wire to wire or see an amazing knockout because one of them does suck. You know what I mean? So it is like, yeah. I think it's just the, it's the greatest sport in the world. This is a fight that I'm looking forward to really quick. And okay. uh, people have been talking about it. There's a buzz about it. I am just, I'm interested. Patty Pimplet, Pimplet versus Tony Ferguson. Come on. I want it. I want it. Why? Tell to... me why you want it, Matt. Please tell me why you want it. This, this is why I want it. Tony is, is losing, but he's losing the top-notch guys. He's losing yes. really, really top-notch guys. And in those fights, he has moments. We see, we see moments of... I don't want to say old Tony, the older Tony or, or prime Tony, but we see glimpses of what made Tony so great. So now we got Patty Pimplin. He's coming off that win, which a lot of people are giving him crap over, which is, and, you know, people say uh, you can look good off of a loss. Now he has a win and people are talking trash about him. So now he's going versus Tony Ferguson, who's on his skid. He has to be, if, if he's the next you know, the second coming, he's going to be a future champion. He has to beat Tony Ferguson. He has yes. to, has to, has to beat him. He can't, I agree. Can't even be, he has to beat him. So, and Tony Ferguson, we all know he has to win. So to me, it's, it could be a changing of the guard or it could see, could be Tony Ferguson, Ferguson saying not yet mother efforts. It's just very exciting to me. That's why I'm excited. Okay, so okay, so here's my here's my thought on it, right? Okay. If Tony Ferguson wins, yes, it doesn't it, it it the only thing it does for him is allow him allows him to get another fight. Yes. Right? Because it's not gonna put him in championship contention because Patty Pimblett isn't there yet. It's not gonna give him we're, we're no one's gonna think to ourselves, Tony Ferguson is back, the boogeyman is back, let's put him in championship fights. Yeah. Right. We we just we just won't feel like he's forced to retire. 
And yeah. if Patty Pimblett wins, I'm going to kind of be like, well, Tony's lost six in a row. You know, like Patty should win this fight. But what's scary to me is I think Tony's still the better fighter. I just do. After, after watching Patty Pimblett against Jared, Jared Gordon, I'm like, oh, like there's a lot of holes in this game. And like, think about this. Think about Tony Ferguson's first round against Michael Chandler. Yeah. You know, like I, I was there in Phoenix that, that yeah. day. I was like, is Tony Ferguson about to beat Michael Chandler? And, you know, then Michael pulls the, the punt from hell and, you know, front kicks him in his chin and drops him. And then you're like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, then Nate Diaz is able to submit him. And, like, it was like this, this constant, this constant, like, loss after loss after loss. But he was losing to dudes like Charles Oliveira, you know, Michael Chandler, Nate Diaz. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a step above Patty Pimblett. That's a, a, lo- a large step exactly. above Patty Pimblett. Yes. You know, that's, 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 that's a tough fight. That's what makes it so intriguing, though. Don't give him another, you know, top 10 guy or anything. Give him an up-and-coming guy trying to prove his worth. Yep. Say, nah, forget about that Jared fight. Nah, look at me now. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know. I for the for the reasons I stated, I am that's one of the most that's one of the most anticipated fights for me. I I'm looking it's intriguing. It. No, it, it is it is super intriguing. I'm interested in seeing what happens and i'm also interested in seeing the aftermath based on what guy wins i think tony has to i i I think they will it's like robbie lawler went out even though he had such a tremendous uh win in his last fight uh who was that was that kiesa he fought oh nico price nico price yes um i mean which I, i didn't see that ending that way that quickly but even then, he just went out on top. And I think Ferguson, if he gets, even if he gets a decisive win, he's thirty nine. I think he steps. I, I think that that's it. So, so here's what's funny. I told DC that, right? DC and I talked about it. Hell, what's today? Wednesday? Yesterday. <laughs> we talked about it yesterday, and he said that I said, man, for me, it would be beautiful to see Tony Ferguson win this fight, take off the gloves, leave him on the mat. Yeah. You know, just for us to one time feel what we felt on that winning streak of his, his yeah. that put him at the top of the division. He thinks if Tony wins, there's no way he retires. Oh, you know what I'm saying? He thinks maybe you really. I, I'm with DC. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that might be right. What you're saying is storybook, but I don't see Tony going out. I see Tony. <laughs> I think they're, they're going to be like, all right, Tony, we got to lock you out of the cage because I don't think that guy's <laughs> He's always going to be looking for the next fight, I feel. You know what? Yeah. Jake just messaged me, and this may be it. He said that Tony is looking to fight McGregor after. And you know what? Tony is one of those guys. He's such a name that he may just get a couple of these giant fights with guys who are big names because Tony is Tony. So yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will actually match him up with a guy like McGregor who wants a guy who's a huge name, who's also, you know, who, who's getting up there in, in as opposed to some, you know, Justin Gaethje or somebody like that. So yeah, maybe maybe he will get another couple Nobody fights. wants Justin Gaethje right now. No. Sheesh. Gaethje McGregor is the fight I want, and it's never going to happen. Yeah, that dude, right, that dude is violent, man. I, yeah. I was... um. I was in London for uh, Usman Edwards, the second, uh, the third fight, obviously, the second championship fight. And I was cage side. And that, that Fazeed fight start, 
and it looks like an older dude fighting a younger guy. Fazeev's like so quick. So He's fine. getting shots, getting shots off, man. And then Gaethje starts to touch him. And it was like, it was like a grown man fighting a teenager. Every time he hit him, you could hear it outside the cage. Like it was gruesome. Like my wife's next to me. And every time it happens, she's jumping because it was, it was that sort of violent. And then the head kick in Salt Lake City against Dustin Poirier, who's one of the best in the world as well. Hmm. It's, it's, it's the, the tough thing for Gaethje is you think Habib, Habib walks through his punches the first round, submits him uh, in his retirement fight. Charles Oliveira, he drops Charles early. Charles comes back and submits him. You, yep. you start to wonder that if Islam is able to beat Charles the second time, what happens to Justin in that fight? He almost seems like kind of like Dustin has been is I can be better than everybody else, but maybe the elite of the elite, the elite. So I can't wait to see what happens for him next. Ryan, look, this was great, man. Uh, let's promote your podcast too. With uh, it's is it DC with RC or RC with DC? Yeah, How does it go? It's, it's, no, well, you know I'm second, man. I'm the football guy. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it's it's DC and RC, man. It comes okay. on every Tuesday on YouTube, on ESPN two at midnight. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. And guys, thank you so much. But Matt, man, I just want to give you your flowers, bro. I'm such a huge fan uh, of yours. Um, obviously, we all know one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. But I'm even more impressed with what you're doing as a coach. I train professional football players, man. It's a passion of mine. And I understand how, as a coach, you live and breathe what those dudes do every time they step into the octagon the way I do on the field. So congrats on all your success, both in your career, man, post-career. And thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks a lot, man. And please come back again, you man. This is fun. Man, whenever you guys have me, man, I'd love to be back. Yeah, great having you on. Take care, right, thank you guys. Thank you. All right, take care, yes, Ryan. Sir. Man, appreciate y'all. And Matt, we would be uh, negligent if we did not, before we go promote the fights this weekend, um, this Saturday, Grant Dawson, it starts, it's Dawson Green, of course. It, it's this Saturday, four o'clock prelims. I love these fights. Uh, and the main card's 7 p.m., so there's going to be a tremendous amount of eyes uh, on this fight. Uh, Bobby Green, Grant Dawson, a great main event. Joe Pfeiffer, Abdul Razak, Alassane is the uh, co-main. And, and again, Alex Morano and uh, Joaquin Buckley is the third fight up. Ricky Glenn, Drew Dober. Uh, just a great, great card all around. So starting at 4 p.m. with the prelims. And um, this was great, man. Thank you to our guests, uh, Grant and Ryan. What, buddy? Tonight, 7 p.m., yes. Fat Black Pussycat. Yes, tonight, 7 p.m., I will be there. All right, Jimmy. Hey, man. That's it. Yes. I had such a fun time. Like, well, me too. Nice guy. And I and I can talk to that Grant Dawson about. They were great. Yeah. Yes. You know. Hey, man. I'll talk to you soon, Jimmy. Have fun tonight on your set, huh? Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, pal. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.